Tim, man. The NFL draft is over, and I'm out here looking for who these rookies are going to turn into and which teams they end up on and all that good stuff, but I don't know where to find it. You don't know where to find it. Michael. Or do I? Have you not been listening or creating an app for the last six months? <laughs> the Brodo Fantasy Football app is continuing to add cool features every day, and we just added our newest feature, Player Comps. In the Player Comps, you can select the rookies or any player in the NFL, and it will give you their comp and what they could look like, and not only that, the confidence level that we have. Not only do we give you one player, we give you not two, not three, but five comparable players. So, for example, Jamar Chase, he comes in. He was the number five overall pick, number one receiver off the ball board. Who could he be? Well, more than half likely, he'll be Odell Beckham. Or maybe DeAndre Hopkins. Less likely, Justin Blackman. Sammy Watkins. But those guys could be if everything goes wrong. Then you have Jerry Judy right in the middle. So you have that different range of outcomes and how likely and the confidence in those outcomes. You could do that for every single rookie. Not only that, you still have the player profiles. You have every single statistic that you need. Are you wondering how coaches are going to use these new players? Well, we have coaching statistics, player contracts, news, rankings, specs, social media, everything you need to dominate your fantasy football in 2021 is available. The Fantasy Football app by Brodo. Download it everywhere you get your apps now. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. Yeah, baby, welcome back. It is the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast, and it is officially, officially the start of the 2021 fantasy football season. Welcome in, everyone. It is me, of course, your host, Tim Petropolis, here with my bro, that man for show, the the lefty that used to be hefty, Mike <laughs> Petrop. What's up, Mike? Solid, solid work. That was off the dome, too. <laughs> solid work. Yeah, uh, go check out either the BrotoFantasy.com website, of course, or the Fantasy Football by Broto app. I uh, just released an article today, uh, five winners and losers from the 2021 NFL draft from one of our writers, Gianluca Martini. Um, go check it out. It's fun stuff. It's uh, a nice little post-draft article, our first post-draft pod right now. It was a, it was a fun weekend. For sure, it was. I, I love the draft, personally. Um, I told you guys already, I uh, I confess that I wasn't able to watch that first round of the uh, well, the first the first pick that I actually saw live was the whole Justin Fields thing. So that was cool that I got to get in on that. Um, but I'm going to be a father, as I mentioned many, many times. And I have my um, my birth class that I'm taking with my wife. Actually, really, really interesting lesson that day. That was very valuable. So at least I got some valuable stuff out of it um, that I missed it. But I did get a chance to watch the whole thing. I, I love watching the draft, uh, even when I have to watch it and I already know what happens. I, I just love watching the draft. I, I don't know what it is. Is there something about it? I, I, there was an article today that I saw that that um, put the said that the draft is kind of like the Bachelor for guys. It's kind of it kind of is. It is kind of like um, like what's it called? What's the type of show? Why am I blanking on the type of show that the Bachelor? Like reality television, basically. Yeah, they do kind of make it like that. I mean, this year, finally, for whatever reason, they didn't dwell on. Look how sad this kid's life is. <laughs> like, they didn't do much of that this year, which was cool. But, uh, yeah, there was a, it was exciting the first couple of rounds for sure. Um, yeah, so let's, let's get into it a little bit, Michael. There's no reason to stop. Like, now, we told you before we get started, actually, we got a plug. We're going to make the plugs. Patreon.com slash Fantasy if you want to support the show. So for today, we are giving you um, each week five rookies. We're each going to talk in depth about five rookies. Um, in different categories. The categories that we're doing is the best landing spot, the worst landing spot, your late round sleeper, your early round possible bust, 
and your state your case guy, which is just like a guy that you want to talk about. So we're going to be talking about 10 guys, but if you want to hear us talk about the entire draft class, and if you want to hear us talk about our reaction fantasy-wise to the entire draft class, uh, that episode will be on patreon.com slash Fantasy. And for as little as $3 a month, you can support the show and you get an extra episode including, and, and it also includes tons, tons, tons extras, including access to our uh, fantasy leagues, access to the Discord, the family, the Brodo family, um, and uh, access to giveaways, access to trivia questions, access to um, being guest stars on the show. Uh, we are going to uh, probably do another Jeopardy episode with the patrons very soon, so you get a chance to be on the show, and much, much more. You, uh, the mailbag questions are all from the patrons, so uh, check it out, patreon.com slash brotofantasy uh, to support. With that being said, Michael, I feel like this week, everyone is watching their local team, and they are saying, wow, we had a great draft. I think you can... Uh- yeah, I mean that's how that's how it always is after the draft, right? Even the teams that everyone said, "Oh, this is atrocious." The uh, the hometown people are always trying trying to look at it from a different angle right. to try to show that it actually isn't bad. Exactly. So I I mean everyone didn't think they won the draft, Michael. Let's not say the Jets. We'll talk about the Jets completely. But if you had to take the Jets out of the equation, who do you think won this draft? Hmm, that's a good question. What team do you think um, did the most to improve themselves going forward? The Jets did have a, a very good draft. Let me make that clear. And um, I also want to add, man, that the Giants on the opposite side of the spectrum had such a perfect opportunity to have a tremendous draft if we include that unexpected it's fantastic trade by Dave Gettleman, right? Like, nobody really expected him to... Like he, this was the first time he ever traded down in his life, and he was able to turn the tenth pick, was it, or the eleventh, uh, wherever Justin Fields got taken into nine next year's first round pick. Nine, no, no, it was outside the top nine. Eleven, my bad. Anyways, Eleven. yeah, but yeah, that's and they were able to get that done, which was awesome. Um, and then they go ahead and take Kadarius Tony, which I didn't like. So, I they they had a chance to to be that choice for me here but um i don't know man it, I, there wasn't a team that really stu- stuck out i Can suppose I, for fantasy purposes i suppose the jaguars because they got lawrence and etienne like i think travis etienne as a as a just a straight football pick is a very stupid pick there but james robinson at the end of the first round but for fantasy purposes bringing in lawrence makes the receiving core a lot more appealing and travis etienne gives them an exciting rookie to um, that you could attack in fantasy leagues as well. So fantasy-wise, I think the Jaguars are certainly a lot more exciting. For me, I think the clear winner of this draft was the Chicago Bears. I know it's hard to say that if you don't know what Justin Field is going to be, but you're going into the season with Andy Dalton. So, I mean, the worst comes to worst. You just need him to be better than Andy Dalton, right? Yeah, I was going to – I was. I would have said the Bears, like I was considering the Bears um, from a straight football perspective – but I'm also not a big Justin Fields guy, so if he doesn't, if he does pan out, it's going to be a tremendous draft for the Bears for sure. I think the Bears, so they traded a lot of picks, but I think their first two picks are really good because they got Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State, who was some people's favorite tackle in the entire draft. They got him in the second round. People were talking about Tevin Jenkins going to the Bears if the Bears didn't move up. So if the Bears never traded out of 20, Tevin Jenkins was probably getting drafted by the Bears. So the Bears trade up to get Justin Fields, and then end up getting the guy that they're probably going to take anyway in Tevin Jenkins. I think that's, I mean, Matt Nagy and uh, what's his name? Um, Brian Pace, the GM there, have been getting a lot of shit. They've been getting a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of shit. So um, it's, you know, it's nice to see them get some some positive. Um, Who do you think lost the draft? Like if you had to say one team that really just stuck out is like, what the hell? I mean, the the Falcons taking Pitts fourth overall. If Kyle Pitts ends up becoming this actual unicorn, unstoppable force, then it makes sense. I just can't get behind it. Really, it's it's tough for me to like that pick. Um, but then teams like I don't know the Raiders also reaching for that offensive lineman who people thought they'd be able to get 
in the second round. There was a, there were there were several questionable picks. I also want to say the uh, the Dolphins um, trading down and then trading back up and drafting uh, Jalen Waddle. Drafting Jalen Waddle there after trading back, good move. But then trading back up and drafting Jalen Waddle there is just like a super 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 questionable t- decision in my eyes. Because I mean, you basically. Like I think there's a huge difference between Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle, um, and to, and now, like you already have. I mean, they definitely could have used a playmaker, Devontae Parker, Mike Gesicki, and company. It's not like they, they don't need a playmaker. But I don't know. I think I would have tried to protect Tua, um, a little more. Or I mean, I wouldn't have traded back if I wanted a receiver. I would have stayed put and drafted Jamar Chase. So the Dolphins with that move, um, I didn't like that move at all. I think it has some, it has some Henry Henry Ruggs esque type of vibes to it, right? Uh, you know the outside speed guy, wide receiver. Um, he was ranked number three as just like Ruggs was last year, and he went off the board first. Well, second, well, second. He was second behind Chase, and he well he went off the worst before Smith, his teammate who had literally the best college season ever. It's interesting because a lot of people love Waddle and Phillips to Miami. And, you know, if they end up panning out being and being great, I think it works. But you got to think that Tua was not a great deep ball thrower last year. And now they have Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle. So they obviously are trying to make this team more vertical. So the question is going to be interesting for Miami because you have to, you're going to have to ask yourself, are they up for the task? You know, is Tua up for that task to be a more vertical team, to be yeah. a team that goes down the field more? So that's the question. I also think the uh, real quick the Steelers taking Najee Harris twenty fourth overall, um they're clear that's clearly a win now move and with the ghost of Big Ben at QB, I think it's a uh, a very very silly move because they are not going to win with Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback and now they used first round capital on a running back so I thought that was a very dumb move as well. We will get into that um, later. Uh, just a just a warning sneak peek. But we can't have a podcast without talking about the biggest story in the NFL right now. The story that kind of took some uh, thunder away from the draft on draft day. Turns out that Aaron Rodgers is very upset. Very upset with the Green Bay Packers. And he is particularly mad at the GM. Uh, and they're the, I think it's important to, to, to note this because not a lot of people know this. That the structure of Green Bay's front office is not like the structure of other front offices. Like we were like, remember, we were like, Gase drafted this guy. Yeah, there it was Gase, and it was a GM, and it was there was communication though, and we knew that Gase was behind it. When Matt Lafleur took this job, it was clear that the GM and I and his name is uh, uh, escaping me right now. Gutekunst, right? Um. Yeah, I don't really know how to pronounce it, but something like that. His, his name is escaping me. But, but Brian Gutekunst, right? That's how you... I hope that's how you say it. Anyway, um, he is in charge of player personnel, and Matt LaFleur has absolutely nothing to do with it. To the point where last year, Matt LaFleur didn't even know the Packers were going to take Jordan Love. That was a decision by management. So Matt LaFleur has kind of given some shots. Like, I'm kind of on Aaron Rodgers' side here. Like, kind of fuck you guys. Like you, you could have made this team a Super Bowl contender, and, and instead you had to make me deal with this this bullshit ego um, for the entire season. Although, I still maintain that the drafting of Jordan Love is what sparked the MVP resurgence of uh, Aaron Rodgers. And if Michael, if you don't think that Aaron Rodgers is the type of guy hmm. that will be motivated by the by yeah. someone getting drafted behind him, I think that now those questions can be answered. Yeah, he doesn't even talk to his family, so, so you, clearly he holds grudges. Motherfucker, so you're, are you admitting defeat, finally? No, man, I'm saying... What? How are you not admitting defeat yet? I'm saying... Just admit Maybe it, it put a little right. bit of a chip on his shoulder, one. but I don't think that's the reason he became a beast again. I think they finally let him run the offense again. You guys heard that, right? Maybe it put a little bit of chip Shut on his up. shoulder. That's Michael's way of saying, yes, Timmy, you're right. I apologize. 
That's 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 Michael for yes, Tim. I'm right. I apologize. Aye, aye, aye. Either way, <laughs> aye, aye, aye. Jordan Love might get some playing time quicker than we think. Uh, rumors of swirled could be the Broncos. That's one rumor. Um, the Green Bay thinks that both the Broncos and the 49ers tampered in trying to get Aaron Rodgers. So that's going to be something interesting to see play out. What are your thoughts on the whole situation? Man, the Packers, honestly, no one, every every time you think of the worst NFL franchises, you think the uh, the Browns, you think the Jets these last several seasons with Adam Gase, you think the Lions, you know, teams that really have always sucked. But the Packers, I think, have just as good a shot at winning the title of worst franchise because they lucked into 20, like, five-plus years of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. More than that. And have, yes, they won. I think Brett Favre won a Super Bowl and Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl, right? They, I believe they each have one Super Bowl. Yes, sir. And that's it. Like... Throughout all these years with two of, like, the best QBs ever, and you couldn't just consistently put out a Super Bowl contending team. Like, they get to—they should be shit on for that. Like, there's no reason why—and I know it's very hard to win the Super Bowl, but with Favre and Rodgers just piggybacking off each other as the QBs— there's no reason why they shouldn't have won more than two Super Bowls in the past like 25 years. And it's, it's crazy because the way that they lose in the playoffs when they make the playoffs is either their glaring weakness comes back to bite them. Like a couple years ago, they were the worst. I mean, last year, they were the worst running defense in the league, and then they got shredded on the ground. You know, um, a few years ago, they they had they didn't have enough you know receiving help. Then, then a couple years ago, they didn't have uh, they, their O line had trouble, and, and then. You know, they had a bad secondary. Every time they have a hole, it seems like their hole opens up and gets completely, like, focused in on in the playoffs. And more than that, just questionable coaching decisions. Like, how many times have you yeah. cut to to McCarthy just, like, making a terrible timing, a, a terrible time management decision? And then last year with LaFleur choosing to kick that field goal. The punt. Yeah. The, or the, was it a punt? The field, field goal. goal. It was a, a field punt. goal. Field goal? Yeah, right, right, right. You're right. It was a field goal. Yeah, and so absurd, absurd, especially considering how hard it is to get a uh, onside kick in the NFL these days. So, you know, if if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I have every right to be pissed because you know you're you're sticking out with this organization, you're sticking out with this organization, you're sticking out with this organization, and 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 they're not building around you, and instead they're using that first round capital to draft your replacement. You go and stick it up their ass, and and you draft the MVP. I mean, you you play you're the MVP, but who wins the Super Bowl? Who beats you? Tom Brady, the guy who left his situation and went to greener pastures where they surrounded him with with crazy talent. Now there is something to be said about the fact that Tom Brady makes like three million dollars a year, and Aaron Rodgers is the highest paid player in the NFL. I think that's something that Aaron. Well, no, Tom Brady took Tom Brady took a nice chunk of change from Tampa. He took some pay cuts in New England, but he got paid by Tampa. Nah, he he was not paid well in Tampa. Go go to the Broto app and, and check Tom Brady's contract. Okay, well, but I I also want to add. Go you um, you while you add, I'll, I'll look at Tom Brady's contract in the Broto. Okay, app. I also want to add that yeah, like you said, bro, Aaron Rodgers sees Tom Brady do what he wants to do this year, and have an absolute blast doing it. Like right. if Tom, if they asked Tom Brady like what his favorite Super Bowl run was and he had to answer like a lie detector, he'd probably say this one. Like his friends came over with him, Rob Gronkowski and shit. He he was able to run that offense. Like Bruce Arian said, sometimes I'll just let Tom Brady do his thing. Like I won't even say anything to him. And they go out and win a Super Bowl the first year playing in Tampa outside of the Bill Belichick really strict type of um, offense and just situation that he was in. So I don't blame Aaron Rodgers for wanting to uh, to leave Green Bay either. I mean, so at the moment, just 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 to give you a little context, at the moment, Tom Brady one year twenty five million dollars, right? Uh, to give you context, that's about five point eight percent of the cap. If you go to the Green Bay Packers now, and I'm doing this in real time on the Broto app, just so you know, um, four years one hundred and thirty four million dollars, thirty three million dollars a year. That uh, takes up twenty percent, 
of his team's cap. So obviously you have 15% more cap space. You can go and put weapons around. That's something that, that oh, Aaron Rodgers forgets to mention when he talks about all this. Yeah, I mean, but Aaron Rodgers also has increased the value of the Green Bay Packers a lot. No one says he shouldn't get paid. It's just that if you're going to surround someone with weapons, then if you, I mean, if you really want to be Tom Brady, and, I, and look, I'm, you know who I'm Mr. Like, go get your money, kid. I'm Mr. Union. Like, you know how I, I, I am. Um, yeah. But, you know, you can't compare yourself to Tom Brady and then not also, you know, acknowledge the fact that you make almost double his salary and you take up 20% of your team's cap space as opposed to Tom Brady's 6%. Yeah. And if I'm, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I know the Denver Broncos have been uh, dangled out there the most. That I think is an ideal landing spot for him. I mean, he'll get to throw to Sutton, Judy, Fant, Hamler. He has Melgo and now Javante Williams in the backfield, a decent offensive line, a solid defense. I do think that's a, a pretty solid landing spot for Rodgers if he is if he is dealt. But the Packers are not going to give him up for cheap. <laughs> that's for sure. No, no, no. If you're going to get him, you're going to get him at the price of uh, seven thousand picks. Um, and with the two thousand one hundred and seventy four uh, draft, the Quiglong Aliens select traded in the Aaron Rodgers trade. <laughs> It's like the Bobby Bonilla deal, but for uh, but for picks. Yo, me and Jason talk Instead about this of all, all these picks now. Me and Jason talk about this all the time. The Bobby Bonilla deal was genius, ahead of its time. Yeah, smart dude. Smart, smart. No, not Bobby Bonilla. The Mets. Oh, the Mets. Yeah, I thought you meant. Well, it's. I think it's smart on both. I mean, present value cost. It's not worth as much, and you can't like invest it all right away and things of that sort. But I mean, if you're like a professional athlete and you don't want all that lump sum of cash and you're like, you think you're going to lose it or something and you don't trust yourself to have all that cash, then it's a good deal for him. He's still getting over a million bucks a year. Look at what, look at what all of the, all of the, uh, the, what, what are we, what was I even saying right now? Look at what all the NFL teams are doing right now. They're taking the signing bonuses and they're spreading them out over years in order to save themselves cap room. They're doing the Bobby Bonilla, except they're doing it now. The Mets were ahead of their time. All these haters. All right, so we talked about the drama. We talked about the draft in real-life terms. Now let's get to where we shine, baby. The fantasy world. The Rockies. The Rookie Review episode is here. Yeah, yeah. This all right. is always uh, one of the highest listened to podcasts of the year. We hope it continues. The Rookie Review. Today, we are going to talk about who we like as our best landing spot, who we like in our worst landing spot, late round sleeper, early round bust, and of course, our state your case guy, someone you just want to talk about. So, Michael, let's start with you. All right, uh, because sure. uh, I'm feeling frisky today, feeling like a, a gentleman. Um, who is your best landing spot rookie? My best landing spot rookie. You're going to like this one. It's uh, kind of funny for me to choose this guy, but I'll just go ahead and say it. Justin Fields hmm. of the Chicago Bears. <laughs> I am, I have been widely uh, known at this point as a Justin Fields uh uh, negative views towards Justin Fields um, compared to the other rookie quarterbacks. Well, Zach Wilson and uh, Trevor Lawrence and Trey Lance. Like, I, I agree that I would have taken Justin Fields fourth of those four. Um, and I have my concerns about Justin Fields, but you cannot land in a better spot than Chicago, man, especially with Allen Robinson um, remaining there because you have yourself that alpha wide receiver already. Uh, Darnell Mooney, who looked very good last season. You have a solid offensive line, a very, very strong defense. So even if you do turn the ball over and make those rookie mistakes that are bound to happen, you could trust in your defense to get a turnover or force a punt or a three and out even after that bad play because the Chicago defense has been just carrying that team for years now, and they've been struggling on offense for years now with Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles. And now, yes, they bring in Andy Dalton, Yes, Andy Dalton is expected to start 
We do this every single year with rookie quarterbacks. Justin Fields will be the starter by week three or week four, depending on the Bears record. Like if they go 0-2, he'll probably be starting week three. If they go 1-1, maybe Dalton gets an extra start week three. But that's neither here nor there because Justin Fields has that dual action ability when he's on the field to use his legs or to chuck it downfield. And with Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, David Montgomery, and Terry Cohen in the backfield, like I don't like Montgomery, but he's he's not a nobody like he's at least a decent running back and uh terry cohen is a very solid running back as well out of the backfield catching passes and then you have that solid off tons of line so i think the really an ideal landing spot for justin fields and he might be that like last year's uh jalen hurts where jalen hurts he was in a much worse situation but he was still effective as a fantasy player because he has that dual threat ability I don't think Justin Fields is like as good of a runner as Hertz is, but still um, he has that ability and he's in a much better situation. So I think there's a perfect landing spot really for him. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think that a lot, you know, the thing that I, I really hope doesn't happen is Matt Nagy pulling a Mitch Trubisky on, on, on Justin Fields. Cause not for nothing. Look, I know I get a lot of shit for my Mitch Trubisky takes, but when I made the <laughs> prediction that Mitch Trubisky was going to take that next step, kind of like the same reason I thought Josh Allen, like to me, Mitch Trubisky and Josh Allen, it, and it's funny now that they're on the same team because I think that Mitch Trubisky is the, fir- is the perfect backup for Josh Allen. I think there's a lot of um, similarities, similarities between them because they both have the big arm. They both ha- had those problems with inaccuracies and they both, they both use their legs really well. And what you saw with Josh Allen was a coaching staff that embraced Josh Allen using his legs and used that to get him more comfortable in the pocket. On the other side, you had a team that, you know, the the, the year before they went 13-3 and with Mitch Trubisky having a really good year. People don't remember that Mitch Trubisky in that offseason was the highest bet player to win M- NFL MVP um, going, going in, in Vegas. And then they stopped running the ball with him. They made him into a pocket passer, and he's just not that. Uh, he never has been, in, and that not even in college. So they really took Mitch Trubisky, and instead of making the offense fit around him and his talents, instead tried to fit that box-shaped person into the circle that they yep. that was their their offensive plan. And I hope that Matt Nagy doesn't do that with Justin Fields. And I'll tell you this. It could be a situation where Todd Bowles, you know, Todd Bowles and Mike McCagnan, they drafted Sam Darnold, um, and then the next year they were gone, and it was Adam Gase who got the job. I, I could see the Bears, if this doesn't go right, if they don't utilize Justin Fields, they just say sayonara. Uh, it's time to get some new blood in here and go forward with that. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, do you think Justin Fields starts game one? No. I mean, I just said I think he uh, he sits the first three or four games, um, as we typically see with rookie quarterbacks, like uh, last season Justin Herbert. Yeah, I mean Tyrod Taylor, the, the freak injury where he got his lung punctured, expedited that process for Justin Herbert. But I I still think he would have been starting week three, week four. Uh, Baker Mayfield, we saw that happen. Um, so I think that's it's going to be the same type of situation for Fields. They're they're in a win now mode. They have a win now team. Like they have a strong defense. They have a solid supporting cast and offensive line. If Justin Fields is a strong quarterback option, they're going to be a solid team. And I don't think they're going to want to waste their time with Andy Dalton. Like Andy Dalton is a glorified just backup at this point. So let him be that. Let him be the glorified backup. Uh, for sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. Um, all right. I am gonna go for my. I think top. I think uh, I think your your top landing spot is definitely superior to mine. I mean, yours is pretty good, but I think there's no one that had a a more a better draft than Najee Harris in terms of fantasy football. Najee Harris to the Steelers seems like a match made in heaven, and I hear the same thing from a lot of Steelers fan. Uh, our uh, brother from another. Uh, Santiago Casanova, who is part of the Brodo team, of course, he was very disappointed with the Najee Harris trade. He thought they should have went after an offensive lineman. But, you know, he's a young man, this this Santiago. He's only 20 years old. So he, although he's been a Steelers fan for a long time, don't remember the Steelers like I do. I was I was 20 years old when he was 10 years old. 
Like when he was eight years old, I was 20 years old. And I was watching the Steelers with a dominant offensive line. And I watched them lose piece after piece on that offensive line. Piece after piece after piece. And every single time they replaced them with a good player. Just like a wide receiver. I've seen the Steelers lose piece after piece after piece at wide receiver, but always they end up getting a late round draft pick that always works out. The Steelers just know how to draft offensive linemen and wide receivers. They just do. And if they don't think that someone at that spot was there for them, and they did address it in the in the third round, they got a center from Illinois. In the in the fourth round, they got a tackle from Texas A and M. Now, are, are those you know do they have the big draft capital? No, but these this is an organization that knows how to draft um, running backs, and you know a lot of people see number twenty two and they see that red Alabama. I'm sorry, know how to draft offensive linemen, and when it comes to the running back, you see that number two, you see that Alabama. Jersey, and you assume you're looking at the next Derrick Henry. You're not with Najee Harris. You're looking at the next Le'Veon Bell. Because this guy was one of the better receiving backs in the league. Now, is he one of those guys that's going to run crisp routes out of the slot? Maybe not. But he was an excellent receiving back on checkdowns. He, you know what he could do on the inside. Bruiser, quick feet, sees the hole well, great vision, and he has great size. So I think that Najee Harris brings something to that offense that was sorely needed because people just uh, number you know running backs matter and and, and I'm, I'm, I'm it gets me frustrated when people don't think running backs matter they think that this position is just completely replaceable and it's not you can find a running back in a later round but that's because of the scarcity of the position in terms of years like if running backs lasted to 36 like a safety might or to 40 like a quarterback might then running backs would go higher, but they have a shorter shelf life, so they don't. So you're, the rule of averages where if you take a court running back later, he's more likely to pan out, pans out because running backs just go later. But to think that the position itself doesn't matter for an offense, particularly an offense like the Steelers, who got caught in that in that in-between last year of Big Ben just getting the ball out because there was no running game because they had shitty running backs. They had Anthony McFarlane, who was not big enough to be a every down back Benny Snell, who, which by every single metric was the worst running back in football last year. And then I wouldn't say every single metric, but most metrics, including our own metrics of rushing yards over expected. And then you got James Conner who played like an injured player all of last season and their running game was non-existent because of that. You put Najee Harris in, and all of a sudden, Big Ben doesn't have to panic throw so quickly. All of a sudden, the ghost of Big Ben has someone in that backfield who can he can throw to. And not for nothing, Najee Harris was a three-down back in college also because of his ability to block. So you're getting a next-level blocker as well. So I think Najee Harris is a great move here. I think that... In, in terms of fantasy drafts, you're looking at, look, if he's going to fly up boards. Jonathan Taylor ended up going at the end of the second, beginning of the third round last year, and he wasn't even guaranteed to start in the beginning. This is the most guaranteed rookie starting that I could think of in a while since, like, Zeke and, and Saquon Barkley, those ridiculously high picks. But, like, this is, he just walks into a situation where that could not be more tailor-made for him. So I think with all that considered, plus the fact that the Steelers still have a good defense, um, still have good weapons on the outside, still do have Big Ben as someone who will be a threat uh, that won't let them stack the box against them. You know, the sky's the limit for Najee Harris, and I'm not usually down with uh, running ba- rookie running backs in the first round. Um, but if I'm at the end of the first round, even we'll, we'll see how the you know we'll see how it shapes out. But relax, relax. yo, you got to think about it at this point. We'll see how it shapes out because it's that yeah. good of a role that Steelers role. Remember the last time James Conner was from healthy, a, he was a beast. From a fantasy perspective, yeah, I agree with you. It's a it's about as good of a landing spot as you could get. But I think you uh maybe you need to look at a draft board because you should not be taking him at the end of the first. <laughs> You could get guys like Ezekiel Elliott at the end of the first right now. You're going to take him over Zeke? I'm not. And I don't even really like Zeke. Oh, I thought you meant the end of the first, the real rookie draft. 
I was like, oh my god, no, no, no. Here we go again. No, no, I got you, I got you, I got you. Yeah, the end of the yeah. first is pretty is pretty kind of stacked this year. So maybe not the end of the first. But what what I'm trying to like portray is just that I think that his value is going to skyrocket as the year goes as the year gets closer. Yeah, I mean, from a pure football perspective, I've made it clear that I wasn't a fan of the fan of the pick. From a fantasy perspective, I I do think this is just a pristine landing spot for Harris. His, he's a little bit older. He is 23 already, which is a little concerning. He did run behind the Alabama offensive line. Well, like you said, he has that dual threat ability, and I don't think they used their first round pick on a running back to not use them to not use him and in an absolutely ginormous role because they too are in a win now mode and the ghost of Big Ben is that quarterback, like I said, and without like they're gonna need to move on from him probably next season or the year after, depending on how quickly I don't think they're gonna win anything with Big Ben at QB, but they're going for it now, and clearly Najee Harris is in their plans. All right, so that is our best landing spot. Michael, why don't you switch the tone? You know we love to to give a little uh, a little sadistic hate around, around here. We love the hate a little bit. We're like John Brown. Oh, yeah. If you guys have ever oh, watched yeah. the, the, the White Rapper show, John Brown, I love the hate. Gives me a new purpose. Um, <laughs> Michael, Please. worst landing spot. Who is it? Who is it? I'm sorry, Giants fans, but it's Kadarius Tony. I touched on this briefly um, in the earlier segment when I said that the Giants had a chance to have a tremendous draft, and then this happened. Look, man, Kadarius Tony, say what you want about him. This is just, I just think this is a terrible pick, a terrible landing spot. The dude was good, right? His senior year. He played in 11 games, he caught 70 balls, he had 984 yards, 10 touchdowns was super dynamic with the ball in his hands. But that was as a senior when you are playing against younger competition. People don't realize how much age matters when it comes to these things. Like once you're a senior, you should be dominating the competition because you are older than the competition and have more experience than the competition. Like you are a 21-year-old senior, 22-year-old senior going up against 18-year-old true freshman. Like you should be playing well against those people. And Kadarius Tony was a nobody, basically, until his senior year. His junior season, he was he only played in seven games, but he was limited to 10 receptions the entire season and 12 rush attempts. Like, he had more rushes than he did um, receptions. And this is, like, we're talking about this gadget-type, Tavon Austin-type guy, and it's not like Tony is huge either. Like, he's not as small as Tavon Austin. He's 5'11", but he's 5'11", 193, coming off one not even super productive season as a senior. It's more so just excitement and exciting watching him play. And when was the last time we've seen a player like that pan out, if we're being honest? Like these Tavon Austins, these John Rosses, these Henry Ruggs. These players just generally, everyone's trying to chase and look for the new Tyreek Hill. Yeah, That's not going to happen. Like draft players that are going to help your team. Tyreek Hill is... Not someone that is easily replaceable, obviously. And now we got teams drafting Kadarius Tony over guys like Rashad Bateman and Elijah Moore. And it was just mind-boggling to me, especially with the Giants, how they have Sterling Shepard already. They brought in Kenny Galladay. They have Evan Ingram, who makes a ton of boneheaded plays. But at least he's a semi-decent tight end at the very least. They have a lot of holes on that team. And to add a wide receiver... A gadget-type wide receiver who also has a quarterback in Daniel Jones who has to take a huge, that turnover machine has to take a huge step up in year three where the Giants are probably going to be drafting a new QB next season. It's just, I can't see Tony ever being a viable fantasy option this season barring like crazy amounts of injuries or a Josh Allen-esque explosion for Daniel Jones. And even then, like this, this dude is just going to be, he's a give me the ball manufactured target or rush attempt type of guy. And like Matt Harmon's reception perception, he was 13th percentile against zone one percentile against man. Like his whole chart is all red. That's just, this dude is raw. Yes. Like he, he started out as a quarterback. I believe it was like, he wasn't even a wide receiver. And it's just, I can't believe the Giants. I mean, 
Kader- see, look, Kadarius Tony. I'm not gonna act like I'm a Florida um, scout, right? So I, I've only seen what I've I've seen of him, and I've only seen, um, you know, I've, I've only seen. Uh, it, it, it it's because a lot of people say that he sucks. I will say that uh, reception perception does not like him, but then there's other people like Daniel Jeremiah had him as one of his top guys, and he was on the around the sticks all separation team, right? So he obviously had something that's making them go here. I think yeah, he's very good after the catcher with the ball in his hands. I think what this says, and you touched on this a little bit, is that everyone just assumed that the Giants were like, oh yeah, they have this good passing core. I don't think the Giants trust their passing core at all. They go out and they spend big money on Kenny Galladay. And then they draft a wide receiver after... So the the rumor has it that they wanted Devontae Smith. Once Devontae Smith was taken, they were... um, Then they traded back because they missed their guy. And they got him at 20. And Urban Meyer meant to get him at 24. So, you know, different stories about different things. So... You know, I think what this really says going forward is let's the book is out not out yet on Kadarius Tony. I in my in the only dynasty league that I'm in right now that did that had their draft uh 10 player league, he went in the third round. I mean, come on. Like you got to you got to yeah. at least like him a you little do, more than that. You have to consider draft capital as well. I mean, if a team liked him that much, maybe he shouldn't be going in the third round, but it's I don't know. I don't. I don't like it. So that's interesting like to me. Man. If I'm, if I'm Sterling Shepard, if I, if I manage Sterling Shepard, I'm scared. If I manage manage Darius Darius Slayton, I'm scared. I, I don't think that the Giants have any confidence in their receiving core. But so they have I, Kenny Galladay too. Now it's just I'm, what exactly they have Kenny Galladay now. They have Kadarius Tony. Like those other guys, those Giants wide receivers who. Like, Sterling Shepard, for the last few years, once he was healthy, like, every time he's healthy, you're like, yeah, he's going to get 10 targets a game. He's going to bring in eight catches, and he'll get you a nice floor regardless of what he does. That's not the case anymore for guys like that. So I think that, uh, yeah, a lot of change, a lot of uh, – it's, it's, it's interesting, a lot of focus on the offense on that one. All right, I have a, a wide receiver, too, here. I have Devontae nice. Smith. Um, because, look, Devontae Smith – he goes to play with Jalen Hurts, and he's played with Jalen Hurts before. He has some sort of connection with Jalen Hurts, although they weren't really on the field together a lot. But Jalen Hurts has struggled. Um, now, he's only played in the league for six games, so I'm not going to kill him. But he was not a good thrower last year. And there's a difference between a you know a, 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 a kind of sucky rookie year and a not good thrower. And you get this guy in Devontae Smith, the rookie, and there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to be the number one guy right off the bat because you got Jalen Rager, who didn't pan out. You have Alshon Jeffrey, who I think he might have a bionic leg at this point. Um, Zach Ertz. I don't even think – I don't. Jeffrey's not even on the – is he on the – I think they released him or something. Like, he's he's a nobody anyway. So Exactly. So there you question. go. Like, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, you know, like these guys, these are the guys you're throwing to. So he's going to be put on that pedestal right away. He's a smaller guy. And Jalen Hurts is going to make him work for it. Last year, Jalen Hurts' um, deep ball completion percentage was only 41.2%. Um, look, and, and like I said, this is not something... His catchable pass rate was 47th in the league at 57%. So again, this is something that we're not talking about. Like I, He can't improve. But it's so low, these numbers. Um, all of his passing numbers. You know... Uh, he was 40th in the league in deep zone attempts per game regardless. He only took one deep shot a game last year. Um, it's the, the, team, the team is going to be a run-centric team. Uh, you know, it's just I have trouble trusting Devontae Smith, no matter how good he is, because of his size and because of the offense he's now put in. I don't want a receiver. I don't want to be a receiver in in, in – Philadelphia right now. Philadelphia stinks right now. It's one of those teams. Like I tell yeah. a lot of people this, and when I tell people this, they they say, "What is wrong with you?" Like sometimes I I then this is gonna sound crazy. Sometimes the the way I judge team is by their logos. And <laughs> but the but this is why because as teams get better, 
their overall feeling in the franchise gets better. And their overall franchise outlook gets better. And their logo starts looking different to me. So, for example, the San Francisco 49ers logo, before they fired Mike, I mean, hired Kyle Shanahan, was this dull red with yellow. And it was like, ugh. And now all of a sudden, I'm wearing a San Francisco 49ers hat. I'm like, oh, look at that nice bright red. It's got that yeah, nice this is, gold. This is just absurd. But listen, but listen to me. The reason I'm saying this is because right now, the Eagles look real, real gross to me. Their logo. Right now, the, the Steelers logo looks real bland, looks real flat. And that's not, <laughs> that's the analysis, baby. You should write a letter to the GMs like, yo, guys, maybe you should spruce up your logo. No, nah, it's Hello. not about the logo. You can spruce up your logo all you want. It's about how I perceive the logo. And it's like that stench that's on the team. It's not, it's not good right now. It's just not good. And, um, you know, it, it's it's a team on the down low. And Nick Sirianni coming from um, Indianapolis where he ran three running backs last year and they were a run-centric team and they didn't take many shots downfield. So it's going to be interesting for Devontae Smith. He's, he has a, a tough road to climb. He's going to have to help his quarterback um, – become what he can be in Jalen Hurts. And look, again, Jalen Hurts could have a Lamar Jackson type renaissance where he gets much better in his in his first full season um than he was in his first half a season. Uh we shall see. And if that's the case, then maybe Devonta Smith is one of the reasons. I'm not saying it's not out of the question, but if you're Devonta Smith like you could have went to some places that could have put you in a little bit of a better position to succeed. Like, um, like uh, now that I think about it, you it's, it's it was a tough spot that that spot of the draft for receivers because you got uh, Carolina, who yeah that that would have been nice, I guess. The Broncos, who you got Drew Luck. You have the the Eagles, who traded up. You got the Giants, who have Daniel Jones. So not the best place. Uh, the the Bears traded up to that spot. So in, in number eleven, not the best place in general to be if you're a, a wide receiver. Uh, but interesting because we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm gonna agree with you there. It's not my favorite landing spot either. So Mike, uh, our next category, our next to category, category. If, if you're if you're in France, your category. Your category. Um, if you're in Germany, Artois. No, I can't do German. That was, that was still French. Uh, Australian. It's a category. It's a category. It's a category. It's a category. No. Anyway, the next category is late round sleeper. Michael, who's the late round sleeper for you? This is a guy that many people might listen and say, I have no idea where he was drafted or who this guy is, but it's very interesting. Des Fitzpatrick. Des Fitzpatrick was taken in the fourth round by the Tennessee Titans. What's notable about that is that the Tennessee Titans traded from pick 123 up to pick 109. So they dealt a couple draft picks to trade up to draft Des Fitzpatrick in the fourth round. And guess what? Corey Davis is gone. Johnu Smith is gone. There are like a million vacated targets in that Tennessee offense. And who is the Tennessee quarterback? None other than the true value king, Ryan Tannehill. And Des Fitzpatrick is a guy who he moves around. He could play inside. He could play outside. He'll likely end up playing outside. But he uh, his numbers don't really fl- jump off the page. Uh, he played four years at Louisville. His past senior season was his uh, best season. He caught. He went for 833 yards on 43 receptions. Back-to-back years, averaging over 18 yards per reception. So he has that dynamic ability to catch the ball downfield. Uh, he has decent size as well. Um, it's not like he's a, a small guy. He's 6'1", 208. So he has a decent frame as well. The Titans clearly think they he could have an impact basically right away if they're taking him as the first wide receiver after losing Corey Davis and Johnny Smith. And he's likely not going to be... Like, no one's going to discuss him as a must-grab guy or anything of that sort. But if I'm getting into later rounds of drafts or late-round rookie drafts for Dynasty folk, Des Fitzpatrick is someone I'm keeping an eye on. Interesting. Diz. 
Bryant. No, I'm just kidding. Des Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick. Interesting, 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 interesting. Um, my guy is a guy that could come in and start right away. Um, I'm going with the hometown team here. I like Michael Carter for the Jets. Ayo. I will say this. Right now, as much as I like Michael Carter, his name is in people's mouths. What I'm going to try to do as soon as I possibly can is I'm trying to acquire some uh, LaMichael P. Ryan if I can, if I'm in Dynasty. If I can get him for cheap, like if I can get him for super cheap, if I could trade like, you know, a backup running back or like a, a your wide receiver seven or eight uh, for LaMichael P. Ryan, I'm trying to get him because, hey, the, the running back job is open. Ty Johnson, even. But all I know is that running back job is open. And Michael Carter had a lot of success. Back-to-back seasons with 1,000-plus rushing yards. Never fumbled in his college career. Uh, He is very, very uh, sneaky. He's only 5'8". One of the comps that you see for him is Maurice Jones-Drew. And although his his thighs are not Maurice Jones-Drew-esque, you could see that maybe he has a little Maurice Jones-Drew in him. Um, That is his comp on the the Brodo fantasy football by brodo app so make sure to check that out one of his comps of the five um i'm not yeah. going to mention some of the other four because it, it's not as uh it's not as friendly let's put it that way <laughs> um, but uh look he's a guy who they need a running back in this offense and he can provide that and he and more importantly he he's already has uh he's a good receiving back he's a speed guy he can find the lane and he can get it done and i love that about him especially because we're gonna we're going to He's going to have an opportunity, and that's all you could really ask. We know that Najee, um, Najee Harris, he goes right into a, a situation where he is completely the guy, right? And I think this kind of has the ability to be that he won't be the guy per se, but look, fourth-round running backs don't usually pan out. I mention that a lot. Second- and third-round running backs are usually where the, the money is found here, but all reports say that Michael, I mean, Mel Kuyper had him as his best player available in the draft in like round two, and like in the second half of the second round. And and he was just on that board, best available player, still there, best available player, still there. Robert Salas said that they, he wanted to take him earlier and that if they didn't trade their third round pick, they would have traded, they would have taken him with one of the third round picks. So yeah, they, they said he would, uh, they would have taken him at 66. They ended up getting him at 107. Right, so this is a guy who grades out as one of those day two guys, even though he got taken day three. Um, he's a good, he's a good at pass protection too. I think it's it's important to to say that 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 is the most important thing. If you're a young running back, if you want to be on the field in third down, you have to be good at pass protection. So I think that bodes well for him. And this is going to be an offense where you have the Shanahan Lafleur type system of those zone running schemes. Whoever gets the, the the handoffs is going to be successful. I, I feel like um, in that zone running scheme, at least at least a tad successful. So I think that he has an opportunity to take over a job, and that's really all you could ask at the moment. Yeah, I'm not gonna disagree with you there. It's exciting, exciting time to be a Jets fan, shall I say? Huh? It is. It is. <laughs> uh, all right, Michael, your early round bust. I'm going to start this one, actually, because I, 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 it's not really a bust, but I just want to let everyone know. Kyle Pitts, don't draft him. Okay, now, this opinion may change during the offseason, but I'm not, I'm, I don't think it's going to. We've mentioned this so many times. Since 2010, there have only been two players ever, ever, as rookies, to have, to have quality tight end seasons as rookies in fantasy. Both those players were taken in the same year on the same team. And that was uh, Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. So you are literally asking Kyle Pitts to do something that has never been done before. To be the lone rookie tight end on your team and to break out as a tight end. The name Kyle Pitts, because it's been talked about so much, will go on in the lore Okay, and it will, and he will be overdrafted, just like every single year a rookie tight end that's supposed to be the best thing since sliced bread is overdrafted. Now, am I saying that Kyle Pitts is not a future Hall of Famer? Maybe he is. Okay, from everything I've seen, I gotta admit I'm impressed by the guy. 
The guy looks like an athletic freak. People who are that tall should not be able to move the way that he moves. With that being said, he's still a rookie. And besides quarterback, tight end is the most demanding position for a rookie. And that's why there's not too much success because not only do you have to learn about being part of the offense, you have to learn about being part of the blocking game. And you have to learn about being uh, be, being part of that game and being uh, on the field in all types of different positions. And that is something that is going to be difficult to do, um, especially because the Falcons are not going to have a running game. So when you consider that, it's going to be even harder for him to get off, get off the ball. So I just think that Kyle Pitts is my player that I'm avoiding in this draft, like with all my might. Because I just, unless he falls to me in like the 10th round, I'll maybe take a flyer, but he's not going to just because of his name. And people are going to spread this false narrative, just like they did last year, that for some reason, the Atlanta Falcons tight end is a place you want to be. Because Tony Gonzalez had a few good seasons with Matt Ryan 50 fucking years ago. And, and you know, Austin Hooper had that one pretty good season. And now all of a sudden, tight end in... In, with the Falcons, is somewhere you want to be, and people don't remember Jacob Tammy. People don't remember Algie Crumpler. People don't remember these people because they were irrelevant. You don't remember Hayden Hurst because he was irrelevant last year. So I just think people assuming that he's going into this high-powered offense. The Falcons, for me, look like a team, another one. Their logo is just getting getting real matte. It's getting oh boy. no shine on it whatsoever. You start talking about the logo. Nah, for real though. No, it's it's not about the logo. It's about my perception. Uh, Matt Ryan had a, by all accounts, had a terrible year last year in terms of efficiency. He was number one in pass attempts last year. Number one in passes completed. Seventeenth in true throw value. Seventeenth. Seventeenth. Yeah, it wasn't great. In that offense, he only he only supported one player, one who finished at the top of his position in wide receiver, and that was Calvin Ridley. At the top of his position in general, one player was supported in that offense, despite the fact that he threw the ball the most times out of anyone. Matt Ryan's been overrated. He's kaput now. I think the, the, the Falcons are going to regret for a long time not taking Justin Fields as their number, one, number four pick, I think. It's going to be like how everyone's like, oh, well, X, Y, and Z passed on Patrick Mahomes. I think it's going to be something like that. Maybe not to that extent, well, but you know what I mean. Kyle Kyle Pitts is already going as like a top five tight end in FFPC tight end premium leagues. And at that cost, just like you, I'm likely not going to roster him at all. Because when you draft Kyle Pitts at that price, you're paying for that outlier type season. And I'm never one to pay for outliers. Exactly. Like I want to choose. I'm not going to choose a guy who needs to do what no one else has done to make the draft capital worth it. One of the biggest uh, biggest mantras that I've been doing in the last few years in fantasy, and I've, I've found myself getting a lot more fantasy success following this mantra, don't expect or don't count on things that have never happened before. Uh, if Kyle Pitts is a tight end one, a quality tight end one this year, it would be the first time ever um, that it would happen. So don't count on me depending on that. Michael, who's your um, early round sleeper? I mean, early, yeah, round, I guess early I, uh, round bust, excuse me. I kind of made it obvious that Tony was going to be a landing spot. I kind of tinkered here with um, Jalen Waddell as well. I made it obvious that I did not like that pick. For me, it's Jalen Waddell. Um, I'm not a big Tua guy. Similar to Justin Fields, um, Tua is just someone when I watch him play, I just don't see it. Like, I'm no QB scout, but I just don't see it. And Tua had a... I don't care what people say with all these like injuries and whatnot and oh look but look at this throw. Tua did not have a very good rookie season. Simple as that. Um he's gonna have to take a big step up his sophomore season. The Dolphins already have uh Devontae Parker, they have uh Lynn Bowden who got um involved last season, Miles Gaskin, Mike Sicki. They have some decent weapons and I know they took Jalen Waddle with the sixth overall pick, and that's tremendous draft capital, and you'd expect a player like that to have an immediate impact. But it's not all about draft capital. Like We've seen John Ross, who was the eighth overall pick, um, did not plan out Darius Hayward Bay, things of that sort. And Jalen Waddle is another one of those speed-type guys. Um, 
one of those guys where he gets a ball in his hands, he's going to just run by you and he's going to be a very a very he's like I expect him to be a solid threat for Tua. I just don't see him being a solid fantasy weapon by any means. Um the player comp page really feels the same way that I do about Jalen Waddle, even more so. It's it's ugly. His comp page on the Broto app, uh, go check it out. But Dexter McCluster and Eddie Royal are the bookends of the five players, and the middle three are not as enticing either. If you want to see who those three names are, download the app and go check it out yourself. That's right. Ads, baby. Boom. For, ads for our own product, baby. But yeah, uh, Jalen Waddle is just someone in that situation that I'm really not going to be interested in and I don't really see a path to like continued fantasy success in the, uh, in the first year in Miami. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think Miami's a tough team, man. It's all about Tua. It's all about Tua. Yeah. If Tua takes that next step and is he's the guy, then every, everything looks better. Everything looks better. Um, it's true. All right. State your case. I'm gonna go with it. Look, I'm not going to act like I have some kind of uh, unique take here. I'm talking about Amon Ross St. Brown. Everyone's talking about Amon Ross St. Brown. One of the best names in the game. What I will tell you is that I've been on the St. Brown family for way way longer than the rest of these fuckers. I will tell you that right now. The St. Brown family is 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 a family that I have been following for many years. If you don't know about the St. Brown family... um. The father of the St. Brown family, whose last name was originally Brown, but changed his name to St. Brown because it looks better on the back of jerseys, um, was a professional bodybuilder. He married his wife because genetically he wanted to have the most dominating children. She is a elite procreation. Yes. She was a (laughs) world-class athlete from Germany. This woman looks like she was created in a lab. And I have a German athlete wife, German athletes. Hardcore. I'll tell you that right now. So hopefully I get the genes too, and I have, a, I have a little quarterback coming in about two months. But with that being said, he married her not for love, not for money, for her genes, procreation. Or maybe they were in love. I'm just, I'm just being facetious. But the, and, then, and then he bred his three sons, the St. Browns, to have unique names. You might recognize his brother's name, Equinemius St. Brown, who had a pretty good year after getting being a fifth round pick for the Green Bay Packers a few years ago? Um, the reason why I like him is because of the spot he landed in. Right? What is his his the people that he will be competing with for work is uh, Quentin Cephas, um, Brashad Perriman, and uh, Terrell the Gazelle. Terrell the Gazelle, baby. Yeah, Williams. Uh, Brashad Perriman and Terrell Williams are n- notoriously notoriously injury prone. He's gonna get his shot. To put it frankly, he's going to get a shot. He has the athletic ability. Now, he has he he had the ability to do a lot of things. Now, size is a problem for a lot of the, the people in this draft. But he was at USC. He was at a big program, played in big games. He was productive. And he's been eat, breathing, and sleeping this shit from the moment he was born. I am a big fan of the St. Brown family. So Amon Ross St. Brown is someone who it makes me... It makes me happy, and I hope that he he succeeds. I really do, because um, his dad put a lot of effort into that. <laughs> so hopefully his effort yeah. pays off, honestly. Like, when you see someone put that much effort into something, you're like, I hope it pays off. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he certainly has a landing spot to have an immediate impact. Time will tell. Facty factors. Yeah. So, um, Michael, it's your guy now. I'll that's, end it off. That's how we I, do I the thought, show. You know, I thought you transitioned to me. You know, Mr. Um, okay, hold on. I let always me, say I steal your transition. Let me transition. Uh, for the report that is completely terrible and awful, here's the best twin, Jason. I mean, what? <laughs> Goodness gracious, that was terrible. <laughs> Anywho, um, Michael speaking. My guy's... Uh, <laughs> Terrace Marshall Jr. Um, I, like I really that. like Terrace Marshall uh, Jr. coming out. He's played at LSU over the past several seasons with Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and company. Um, as a freshman, he got on the field, 12 receptions, 192 yards. You like to see at least a little bit of production in his rookie year. His sophomore season with Jefferson and Chase on the field, 
46 receptions, 671 yards, and 13 touchdowns. So uber efficient in the red zone, even with Chase and Jefferson there and Joe Burrow at QB. And then this past season, no Jamar Chase, only played in seven games, 48 receptions, and 731 receiving yards with 10 touchdowns. So this guy averaged over 100 yards per game and a touchdown and over a touchdown per game as a junior this year at LSU, 6'2", 205, um, coming out as a junior, which I like. Good size. He lands in Carolina, which is not ideal. Um, ah. They do have Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, but they don't have the 6'2", 205 guy and Terrence Mar- and Terrace Marshall to catch the ball in the red zone and to make those strong point of reception up high catches um they have dj moore and robbie anderson who are more speed possession receiver types so i think Terrace marshall here again i'm not like a huge fan of the landing spot but i like him as a player he ended up going in the second round i think he has the potential to be very solid and i just wanted to give him a shout out here i'm excited for dj moore this year i think that him and sam darnold can have a nice like crowder like connection uh, except DJ Moore is so much better than James uh, James Crowder. Um, with that being said, that is the end. If you want to get our entire view on everyone, we didn't even talk about big guys. Travis Etienne, we didn't talk about him. Bro, how did we not talk about We didn't talk about uh, Williams, the running back for Denver. I forget his first name. Javante. Javante, there you go. I was going to say Jamal Williams for some reason. We talked about Javante Williams. Bro. We gotta talk about these guys. We didn't even talk about the quarterbacks. We will. We didn't we even will say a word about Trey Lance. We didn't say anything about Zach Wilson. We didn't talk about Elijah Moore. Like we have a lot of people to talk about. And if you want to talk about Elijah Moore and more, uh, please join up patreon.com slash brother fantasy for as little as three dollars you can get all of that goodness. Michael, where can they find you? At Brother Mike. You can find Jason at BrotoFF Jason. You can find Casanova at BrotoFF Casanova. And you can find me at at, at BrotoFF Tim. See what we did there. Uh, find us all at Broto Fantasy. And don't forget, please, please, if you have not already, uh, the Fantasy Football by Broto app. I got it right. I got it right. Um, I keep saying the Fantasy Football app by the Broto. Fantasy Football by Broto app. Yeah, I keep saying the Fantasy Football app by Broto. I don't even know the name of my own app. How about that? Um, but with that being said, please download it. Thank you, and you're welcome. And uh, so long, and goodbye, and hello. You say That's goodbye. Right. I say don't sue me, Beatles. Later. Later.